0: entrepreneur, speaker, and coach, Lucinda Carney. Hello, and welcome to this week's HR Uprising podcast. And the topic we're going to look at this week is how to address a culture of underperformance. Now, I realize that as HR professionals, very often we're dealing with um, performance or disciplinary issues. Certainly, we can get drawn into them. And I suppose this is looking at how can we try to encourage a performance, a high performance culture, I guess, within the organisation and actually dissuade uh, managers from getting in a situation where they have got underperformance happening in their teams. Therefore, I think it's a podcast, hopefully, that will be relevant um, to managers, people managers as well. So it's one of the ones that you could actually send on to somebody who um, is a people manager. But I'm going to try and look at this from two perspectives, how to deal with individual um, underperformance or address that, But also on top of that, how can we look at this more strategically and more culturally as well? So there's two layers to the way I'm going to address this. First of all, though, let's start with the individual performance approach. And of course, I know there's people out there, you're all very, very familiar with this, certainly in terms of uh, managers coming to you and saying, actually, I've got someone who's not performing and being expected to to deal with that. Very often uh, you might find, say, you know, Uh, a manager might come up to you and say that they've got an underperformer in their team. And you might need to say, well, do they know that you perceive them to be an underperformer? Um, And is there any documented evidence of the fact that they're not performing? And very often the answer is no, because we're not having the conversations to help people understand what good looks like and what good performance looks like. And that's often the the crux of it. But starting with this, of course, we can find that there's almost a a perception uh, of people not performing in a certain way. And that isn't always fact. So the first place that I would always want to start with, if someone came to me and said that they have got someone who wasn't performing in their team, then I'd want to understand what specifically it is that they're not doing in the perception of that person. And quite often you hear the manager come out with things like value judgments. So they might say, oh, they're sloppy. Uh, or they lack commitment; they're lazy. Well, those are judgments, aren't they, on behaviours? And that's something which the judgment is being applied as comes kind of a result of something. What we need to drill down to is actually what the facts were behind that judgment. So they might say that they um, they were late three times last week, which is why we perceive them as having lacking commitment. So that's a fact that you can deal with. They were X late. They were late on X, Y, Z days, and um, we we can consider that as a as a sp- specific piece of information that can be interrogated. Now the manager has placed a value judgment on it and says that that means that they are lazy or lack commitment. But in reality, there could be other causes for this. So one of the fundamental principles around dealing with performance issues is being really tough on the facts, but completely open-minded about the causes. Of course, someone who's been late three times last week, they could have some personal circumstances that have meant that they were late. There could be, there could be an illness, there could be extenuating circumstances, it doesn't necessarily mean that they lack commitment or they're lazy. So we need to start on having the facts and always drill down into them. Then when, of course, we're trying to understand what those causes are, I find the following acronym, KISS, with a C is quite helpful in this. So if I think of this as C stands for clarity, the I stands for individual attitude, the S is skill and the second S is surroundings. So I'll go through each of those in turn and explain what I mean by that but I think it uses it's quite a useful um, model to have in mind. The first one clarity in my experience is the most common cause of underperformance People don't wake up in the morning and decide they don't want to perform. What happens is that we have very complicated and confusing and hectic workplaces and people have, maybe they have a variety of priorities and they don't know which one is the one that they should be focusing on. So lack of clarity is all too often the cause of underperformance. And if we're not having regular conversations with our people, then that clarity and that problem is going to just get worse. So start off, did that person actually know what was expected of them? Do they understand what they're supposed to be delivering? Do they understand that what they are delivering or doing isn't what we wanted them to do? And as is often the case, the manager, when you start asking those questions, may well say um, no or start to look a little bit um, shifty. So the solution to lack of clarity of course is conversations and they don't need to be difficult conversations actually they should just be regular conversations about expectations it should be about having clear objectives or goals or deliverables and having conversation about the extent to which people are meeting those and ensuring that both both the individual and the manager have share the same view of what good looks like so it's common sense but unfortunately not terribly common feedback objective straight conversations is all going to improve clarity and is going to minimise underperformance. The second um, aspect, however, individual attitude is probably, I'd say, the least common cause of underperformance, but it is the one that's probably the hardest to shift if there is an issue, really. And this is where it's actually saying it it is down to the person. They're not doing what they need to do because they're demotivated. They perhaps don't want to be there. They can't or won't work. So we're saying that actually, there isn't really an issue. They do know what's expected, but they're choosing not to do it. Well, what can you do in those circumstances? You need to understand what will motivate them. Perhaps you need to understand their strengths and what it is that they do want to do and see if you can get them into something which actually does motivate them. Of course, if you don't get anywhere, then this is when you would go in down the more formal performance management route, where you'd have to say, this is what's expected, set short-term achievable goals um, track this and then uh, and give feedback against it. And then you'd have to start the disciplinary process if there's no improvement. So that's that very occasion where the person can't or won't perform. More commonly, the two S's, skill. It may be that they know what's expected, but they don't actually have the right skills to do it yet. So we're saying that this could be something where it's identifying a development need and giving people training, coaching and feedback around it. And then hopefully you can fill that skill gap and then that person is going to be highly able to perform and deliver. And then surroundings is kind of environment. So that is an interesting one because that actually can cause underperformance through people perceiving that a certain way of behaving is the right way of behaving. It's kind of like setting a precedent So that going back to the timekeeping one, it could be that that individuals or that everybody around them comes in late. So they think that that's okay. So it almost feeds into the clarity piece where people, due to the environment or the atmosphere around them, they are seeing different behaviours, which they therefore choose to emulate. Again, the solution for that one is just like clarity, telling people what is expected and pointing out that it's not about what the environment is. It's about what you expect of that individual. So that KISS acronym is quite a nice, easy way of understanding what might be causing underperformance. And then each one of those have got solutions that you can apply to them. The key with this, though, is if we're in an environment where there is an endemic, let's say, set of underperformance, how can we understand whether or not that's true or not? So it's almost if we to elevate this, we've looked at that at an individual level, How might we consider performance more culturally? And I think we can almost think about the same KISS analogy in the same way. So if we said that actually people are not performing in a certain organisation, then we might say, well, how are we measuring underperformance? So are we saying that the goals or objectives that people have got or we're not achieving, let's say we've got business targets or financial metrics and we're not achieving those as a business? So therefore, we might say that we're underperforming as a business. So that could be a fact that's um, that's evidencing that overall, we're not delivering what we need to. Well, how can we address that culturally? One of the things there would be about identifying are goals actually being set and missed, or are they just not being set at all? So do we have aligned or cascaded business objectives that should be supporting us achieving those Financial metrics or a certain level of quality. So it's understanding how are we actually measuring this underperformance? If it is factual, then um, do we have people, do people have clarity about the levels of performance that they need to demonstrate in order to drive those business outcomes? The other aspect might be sometimes you hear sweeping generalizations that a certain department's not performing, then maybe we need to drill into that. And again, be specific about the facts. Is it a department or is it a certain manager or a certain team in that department? Because if we can identify what those facts are, so if it's the entire department, maybe that's an example of the surroundings that everybody is seeing a certain style of behaviour from other managers and therefore they're emulating it without realising that's not delivering the right performance levels. So it could be something about we need to give greater clarity, we need to train people. It could be about just a pocket of managers with lack of who perhaps don't have the skills to deliver performance or don't know how to set objectives or are uncomfortable giving feedback. Again that could be something which they could be educated or developed in. Interestingly again thinking about the surroundings if it is a certain area it could be the manager of those managers never demonstrates those behaviours. They don't lead by example they don't give you the sort of behaviors that you'd want people to see so that whole looking at the the facts and measuring the facts being specific about it applies at a macro level as well for us to actually diagnose what the problem is if we think that we've got a culture um, of underperformance in our organization what are those potential causes and then when we understand those potential causes we can think about how to achieve or how to address them. Other causes that I think you can come across are uh, whether or not people see that they don't feel able to give feedback because there have been negative consequences historically. So people are frightened of giving feedback. They may feel that um, if they are not seen to provide feedback to others, that that will result in uh, an impact on pay. So they may feel that there's certain processes that are perhaps meaning that they don't want to address underperformance or don't want to admit to underperformance. So let's let's say that um, a manager feels that if they don't identify that somebody isn't performing and they don't address the, the issue, then that's going to affect them in their pay review and they don't want to do that. So sometimes there might be processes within the business that are actually almost conspiring to a to encourage people not to deal with performance in one way or another. So people are worried about negative consequences. The flip side of it is also they've never seen that there's ever been any positive consequences of giving feedback, of recognising others, so they don't see the value of it. And again, if we don't see positive consequences or we attach negative consequences to a certain behaviour, then we are less likely to demonstrate it, which of course Is going to mean if people are not getting that feedback about their performance, they're not going to be clear on what high performance looks like. Then another area which I thought is worth just thinking about is whether or not strategy or metrics are connected. There's an article this month in the September, October Harvard Business Review, which says that strategy, the whole idea of having an overall strategy is great. And having metrics against it. In fact, um, I did a podcast on that a couple of weeks ago. If you haven't heard it, the HR Balanced Scorecard podcast, um, which talks about how you can have an HR strategy and how you can have an aligned um, scorecard with it. However, what sometimes happens, and the argument was made, is that the metrics must be aligned to the strategy. And we need to make sure that people in question understand the strategy or the why. They understand why they're following the metrics. So occasionally we end up having metrics which are disconnected from the strategy, which means that people just maybe let's say game the metric. So it could there was an example there about a bank where there was some mis selling that took place because people were seeing that it was all about cross-selling was the overall goal that they were being measured on or they were being incentivized against. So they cross-selled a load of products which actually weren't necessarily the right products to sell for the customers. Um, what that resulted in was a real drop in customer value and actually it took the business backwards as opposed to taking it forwards. So sometimes um if we focus too much on the metric without understanding the purpose of the metric, either connection to strategy, then that also could create underperformance because it's disconnecting um our, our measures from our strategy, and we need to have both. People need to understand both. And I think overall purpose is something which is really key for under performance, uh, for managed performance overall, is thinking about the individual's purpose within a role, uh, making sure that we understand why we are performing or behaving in a certain way is actually critical and underpins many, many aspects of performance. When we talked to Steve Brown, he talked about HR on purpose, and it's about understanding what our overall Individual purposes for working within a business, and the more we can align our goals, ambitions, and um, aspirations with the overall ones of the visit business purpose, then the more satisfied we're going to be and the more likely we are to perform so it is about us making connections all the way through and then one final area which actually came out when I put this question out on LinkedIn when I was asking other um, professionals, as I, as I often do, and please do connect with me on LinkedIn if you um, you, know, if you use that platform or Twitter, because I often put out when I'm thinking about doing a particular topic, I'll ask for feedback and uh, comments from others so that I can share your insights when I'm doing the podcasts uh, from from those of you who are out there. And one person commented that when they've dealt with underperformance uh, or addressed a culture of underperformance, they did it through coaching, which I thought was quite interesting, so they encouraged a whole coaching culture where managers were uh, asking open questions about what people wanted to achieve, where they were going, um, what their goals were. And they were coaching them to set themselves, uh, their objectives, which makes great sense, because when we coach someone to set an objective, we're going to be that much more bought into it. Of course, they're then coaching by using those coaching questions. You're going to coach for clarity as well. So both parties are going to be clear on what's expected rather than as telling somebody what to do, if we coach them and it comes out of their mouth, then we can be much more confident that both of us are seeing things the same way. So coaching is great for getting that clarity and that buy-in. And I think overall having a coaching culture, it's about conversations, isn't it? So if we're encouraging regular conversations with each other, then you're going to encourage higher performance, more engaged performance and people just interacting in a positive way in which they feel able to give of their best. They feel valued, it's much more human. So coaching as a tool as a not it's not so much as dealing with underperformance, it was actually about preventing underperformance because it got the conversations happening, it gets people buying into the strategy and it ensures that we've got that clarity of what's expected and it gives us that inner why. So I thought that was quite helpful as well. So This is just a short episode this week um, talking about how we can deliver um, performance, how we can avoid underperformance. Remember the key points we were saying, it's all about uh, being clear on the facts and open minded about the reasons. We used our model KISS, which is where many of the underperformance, if you like, or many of the causes of underperformance can come from. So, primarily, clarity. Then it's about Sometimes it's the individual, it's the individual motivation. It's also about skill. Do people need development? And do people have the surroundings that are maybe affecting their clarity about what's important? And then we talked a little bit about how we can look at this in the workplace. So thinking more broadly, have we got structures or processes that perhaps are undermining performance? Uh, Are we getting too focused on metrics? Are we actually, do we actually have a problem with underperformance or is it just pocket of underperformance where there may be somebody, um, a manager who doesn't know how to perform in a certain way or it's not being role modelled effectively? Um, And then we talked about coaching. So as being a nice tool for managing performance. So hopefully that was interesting, got you thinking about how you can prevent underperformance in your business or, or encourage the managers in your business to deal with underperformance before it becomes an issue. So actually get them to encourage high performance where people have got clear understanding of what's expected of them. And uh, please feel free to suggest future episode topics um, for the HR Uprising. i would be really delighted to hear from you. Just before I go, as I say, please do sign up to our uh, LinkedIn group if you're interested in knowing more. Um, hook up with me in terms of connect with me on social media, really do like to build that network and uh, and get talking to people who are listening to the podcasts and just letting you know what's coming in December, which is quite exciting. So I've got a couple more um, regular conversations over the, to the rest of November. And then during December, we're going to do a series of podcasts where I'm kind of calling it the 12 HRs of Christmas, but I'm not sure if marketing are going to let me and we're interviewing, having conversations, 12-minute conversations with HR professionals are out there. I've recorded a number of them now, and there may be one or two more that we'd like to get on. So do get in touch if you'd like to be somebody who features in this. And uh, what we're doing there is literally just understanding a little bit about their career to date. So I thought it was nice to hear from some of you guys out there who actually listen to the HR Uprising and to inspire each other. So over the course of December, we will have a series of podcasts which have got Uh, 12-minute conversations with real-life HR people like you. I hope you're going to enjoy it. So that's all from me this week. Thanks again for tuning in and you can download all of the show notes uh, from hruprising.com. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the HR Uprising podcast. You can access more information, including resources or links mentioned in the show at our website, www.hruprising.com. Also, you might want to join our LinkedIn community or tweet to us at HR Uprising. We'd love to hear from you.